Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And what does it mean to be a shepherd? In ancient times, uh, a shepherd was a very important person. He looked over flocks, he took care of them, he did everything for them, and uh, he protected them, you know. This man dedicated his life for that flock. The shepherd did things like protect them, he guided them, he fed them. And he also dressed for wounds. He did things that a sheep couldn't do for themselves. So what does that mean for us? Well, see, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. Jesus actually uses the word shepherd in a lot of his uh, sermons to represent the leaders of the church. Listen to this one. This is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pleasure, says the Lord. Therefore, Thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherd, who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and do not attend to them. Behold, I will tend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds. And they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Wow. So basically what that means is some of us in the flock are going to be called to preach. We're going to be called to lead a congregation. And the responsibility of the pastor is to take and teach the Word of God to the people. That he is overseeing. He is to live by an example so that they have something to look for in, you know, look, an example to look to. I'll put it like that. Now, 
there is a lot of responsibility of a pastor. Okay? Pastors have to wear many hats. They have to be uh, leaders. They have to be counselors. They also have to be providers. You know, many times when we, you know, come into crisis, whether it be something going on at home with our family or something that we feel has shaken our faith, the first place we go is talk to a church, talk to a minister. And the minister has to have the capability to coach you on the proper action to help you with your problem. So how does he do that? Well, for one, he would pray with you. And two, he would pull up scripture and show you what his shepherd says about the situation. By pulling out the Bible and actually pulling the scripture out. Now, the, the one thing that, the one responsibility that uh, I think is the one that everybody sees and everybody actually, you know, thinks of when they think of the pastor is his ministry. You know, he's out, he's standing in front of a bunch of people preaching the word of God with the goal of bringing sinners to the Lord. And that is one of his most important roles. But that's just one of them. Um, a pastor has a big, big job. You know, not only does he have to live his life to the best of his ability in accordance with Jesus' commandments. But he also has to be able to convey what Jesus is saying on different levels. You know what I mean? He, he, likes, he has to be able to break down the Bible in a way that his congregation can understand it by using life experiences, you know, inserting that into the sermon. Um, he, he could use um, current events, you know. It's really up to the pastor and the Lord how the message is actually sent. I know for me, I like to do a podcast because, for one, I can reach a large number of people and once the podcast is published, uh, people can read or listen to it anytime. So this is just one of the as you know of the aspects that I use, or one of the revenues that I use to get the word out. You know, the ministry is. Uh, just getting started, so I'm kind of limited to 
just a few things right now, but the ministry is growing. And as it grows, there will be more different things that will be out there. But getting back to what we were talking about, uh, <clears throat> the Bible actually talks about shepherds a lot. And one thing that I remember from, when, from my childhood was having a dream of Jesus. And it was me and a bunch of my friends. We were playing on the playground. And in this dream, there was a bunch of wood out in the middle of the playground. And Jesus shows up. And he says, pick up your crosses and follow me. Well, we all picked up our cross and we started following Jesus. And as we were walking, in my dream, I pulled out a, a little pocket knife that I kept with me. And I started whittling on that cross, you know, taking little pieces off of it and... Uh, just walking with it and carving on it. And when I got done, I got to looking at it, and it looked like a shepherd's staff. Which, now this dream may not mean anything to you. You know, it's a dream of a child, but it was very significant for me. Because I woke up, the next morning, and that's when I knew I wanted to preach. You know, I wanted to become a pastor. So throughout the uh, the next couple of years, I got more and more involved with the youth ministry. I became a puppeteer, and we traveled around the state of North Carolina. Uh, doing puppet shows at uh, retirement homes. Uh, we did one at a prison. We did a few at other churches. You know, every weekend we were somewhere else. And the more that I, the more involved I, I got, the more I knew this is what I wanted to do. And you know, it, it was a, a very enlightening experience. And I had one uh, assistant minister who uh, really broke down what pastoring actually was. And I sat down with her one day and... Um, she told me that pastoring was not just standing on the stage and reading the Bible. Pastoring was a calling from the Lord. And once you are called to pastor, it is like a switch in your life. I mean, it takes over pretty much. I mean, you find yourself 
seeing a sermon in regular life situations that you didn't see before. Scriptures pop out at you. Um, you know, there's different little things that happen. But the, the most important thing is people feel like they can talk to you. They feel like they can trust you. And this is something that happens almost naturally, you know, without conscious thought. You know, you start listening to people. You start trying to guide people, helping them overcome the problems that they're having by explaining to them the different passages in the Bible that pertain to that such situation. Um, you know, with the anxiety that has taken over this country right here of late, you know, surprisingly, Jesus talks about anxiety. He talks about worrying. He talks about um, being stagnant. You know, for just about every life um, situation, there's a story or parable or something within the Bible that gives you guidance. And a pastor is a good source of information. Most pastors, most churches have resources that will help you uh, to get over or out of a situation. Like, for instance, for me, uh, when I was in New York, I was homeless for two years. And I went to a, a soup kitchen. I'll never forget it. And... I went there every day, uh, twice a day, to eat breakfast and dinner. And I would work within that ministry to earn my way because I didn't want a handout, you know. So I would mop, you know, mop floors, clean tables, you know, stuff like that, and. I started becoming good friends with the uh, the minister who was over the, the ministry. And, you know, I asked him then, how do I become ordained? How do I become a pastor? And he told me, number one, I had to find a church. And number two, I had to become a member. And then I had to study under a pastor until that pastor felt like I was ready. Well, I didn't really do that straight away. What I did was I continued to go to several churches. And I really didn't find one that I felt comfortable with. I'm an old-school Pentecostal holiness uh, 
you know, that was what I was raised in. And up north, you know, they there's a lot of Catholic and a lot of uh, Presbyterian. Not saying that that's bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, for me, I needed a little bit more lively sermons, you know. And uh, when I got back here to North Carolina, I was still homeless. But I got into a, uh, a homeless shelter, and I found out that it was actually a church. And I loved it. You know, I went to this church, and I really liked it. And this church was, it would have guest pastors come, so it was non-dominational, but it had uh, pastors from different doctrines come in and do sermons. So I got to see several styles of preaching, and it was very intriguing on, you know, how each pastor that would preach had their own style of preaching. You know, it wasn't like a cookie-cutter pastor. You know, it was each pastor had their own personality within their sermon. And it really showed me that Christianity is all about... Uh, perspectives, you know, and let me explain what I mean by that, because I know somebody's going to say something, saying that that's wrong, but uh, perspective is the way you see things, okay, and how you see the Bible may not be the same as how I see it, does that make sense? Um, I may see a message where you don't, or you may see a message where I don't. But it's all about fellowship. It's all about bringing all those messages and all those sermons together and sharing it. That's why we go to church. That's why we fellowship. You know, because the Christian church is doesn't have any strength without its members. You know, one thing I have always preached and always said was that um, we need to bring our soldiers home. You know, sometimes our soldiers need a rest. They need to recharge. They need to refuel. They need to touch base with the source. They need to reconnect with the source. And during this pandemic, a lot of churches have shut down. A lot of churches have closed their doors. And what we have to do is we have to come back together as one, you know, accord and reconnect, replug in. You know, we, uh, you can't go about it on your own. You have to have a connection with the source. And I've, I've talked to a lot of Christians and they say, well, I go to church at home. Okay. 
that's good, but you still need that connection, that fellowship. You still need to be able to fellowship with people. That's what Christianity is all about. We are a congregation. We are the body of Christ. You know, you're not going to cut your hand off and then try to sign your name with the hand that you cut off. So, what I'm trying to explain is we need to stop fighting and bickering within the church. We need to come together as one church. We need to understand that God loves us all. All of our imperfections make us perfect in His eyes. He created each and, one, each and every one of us to be different. You know, I don't care what race you are. I don't care what uh, country you come from. I don't care what language you speak. You're still God's child. We need to put our petty differences aside and realize that we're all children of Christ. And we need to start putting on our apron and getting our hands dirty. The world is thirsty for Christ right now. But, you know, the, the, the one thing that comes to mind is uh, something I read in history class. And that was, uh, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. And that applies to us. That applies to Christians too. You know, when the house is divided, it's not as effective. Now, I'm not saying, you know, dominations. I'm not saying that. You know, you have a right to believe the way you want. But what I'm trying to say is, as a church, you know, we're all Christians. Don't matter what domination you are. We all need to come together and we need to take action. You know, being a silent Christian, that is, in my opinion, that is basically neglecting the gifts that God gave you. We all have the gifts that God gives us has given us. Why don't we get together and we use our gifts to glorify His name? I mean, I love the church. The church is a beautiful thing. You know, when the Holy Ghost start moving in that church, people are dancing in the aisles and speaking in tongues and people are getting healed and people are getting saved. Boy, I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like it. And I'm 
I miss the old school church. I miss the old church. The church that wasn't afraid to be politically incorrect. The church that wasn't afraid to be heard. Now, it's almost like we're looking at the person beside us and we're afraid of what they're going to think if we speak up. If we say amen. You know, if we stand up and yell hallelujah. The church has to come back. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not saying this to make anybody mad. I'm not saying this to uh, you know all I'm saying is we need the shepherds. We need our shepherds. We'll always have the shepherd but he appointed shepherds to tend his flock. Ephesians 4, 11 through I mean, it's, it's plain right here. Let me pull it up. And I'll read it for you. Oops, where did it go? Anyway, I, I don't have it written down. Hang on. I apologize, guys. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 and he himself gave some to the to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the I cannot pronounce that. It edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man 
to the measure of the stature and of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So basically it's saying that we are the body of Christ. So, <clears throat> all I'm saying in this one is I'm watching church after church after church close their doors. And my question that keeps coming to my mind is when did a church become a business that it could close? I mean, I'm not really understanding. I mean, it it's not a business. But and see the other thing is who said we need a building in the first place? I mean, yeah, it keeps the rain off her head. And it's nicely air conditioned. It's got Comfortable pews to sit in. Nice sound stage. It helps you feel secure. But why don't we take the, uh, the church out of the building and put it in the field? Maybe put it in a tent. Maybe bring it into our hearts, our homes, our schools, our businesses. How about we bring the church with us wherever we go? Because I'm, I want church 24-7. I 
I want church when I'm brushing my teeth. You know. But see, I want Christ more. See, Christ, to me, is the ultimate companion. He's, you know, he saved me from my sins. He continues to teach me daily. You know, I, I want Christ in every aspect of my life. But I also want to hear the good news. I want to hear someone preach. I want to hear, you know, the life experiences of the congregation. I want that close fellowship with my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters, my neighbors. You know, I miss, I think that's what I miss most during this pandemic is the closeness of a congregation, the, the fellowship of a congregation. You know, you know, I miss that going to the church on Sunday and, you know, the pastor's at the door greeting everybody. And we go in, we sit down, we start talking, you know, before their service. And we start telling everybody how our week was, the things that are bothering us, the things that aren't, you know, the good news, the bad news, you know. Not so much gossiping, but just engaging in conversation with one another. You know, that human element, that closeness to someone else, that, you know, that fundamental connection to community. You know, the other thing that I've noticed is that technology has actually separated us even more. Now, you don't even have to go to your grandma's house. You just pull her up on Facebook and FaceTime her. Or you pull out your phone and you're walking down the street talking to whoever you want. You know, there's no face-to-face uh, -face, sit down at a coffee shop, have a cup of coffee and talk about your day. These times, you know, we're disconnecting from one another. And now it's to the point where if you don't want to see somebody or talk to somebody, you just swipe them. Swipe to the left. You go. And, you know, is that what we've come to believe relationships are? A swipe? An emoji? A text? I mean, technology is not making us better. It's actually alienating us even more. And now, you know, with this pandemic, everybody's stuck in their houses. You know, it's getting worse. I mean, tell me why 
anybody under the age of 17 needs a cell phone that can FaceTime. I mean, isn't that opening up a whole new list of problems? You know, I, I was looking at when I worked at a, a grocery store. I, it was nothing for me to see a five-year-old pull out a phone and start FaceTiming somebody. And it's like, really? I mean, I remember when cell phones were the size of a brick and had a three-foot antenna and you had to carry a satchel so you had the battery. And now it's so you can slip it in your pocket. It's, it kind of makes me feel old. But, you know, these things are, you know, times are changing. And, you know, we are so disconnected from one another. You know, we don't even really know how each other's feeling. Only thing we know is what people post on Facebook or social media. How many likes we got. How many followers we have. I mean, is this is what is this what the world has come to? That our life is determined by social media I mean and the church has to play catch up you know because you know now like never before the church is incorporating technology you know and you know I, I have a church that I listen to every Sunday and they're on Spotify, they're on YouTube, they're on their own network. And, you know, it's it just gets me to thinking how much disconnected we've become. And it's, it's really a sad existence when you, the only connection to somebody you have is social media that the only friends you have are on social media I mean I challenge you guys to uh, go outside you know take a look at the sky take a look at the world when was the last time you went to a park when was the last time you went to a restaurant? When was the last time you actually went to church? When was the last time that you actually did something outside of your home or outside of social media with another person other than work? You know, our lives have pretty much become... Work, social media, eat, sleep, wake up, social media, get dressed, eat breakfast, have a cup of coffee, check your lights, 
check your email, go to work, and the whole process starts all over again. There was a study done not too long ago, and they put these people in a room, and it was a job interview. And there was about nine or ten people in this room. And what they did is they put their cell phones, they took their cell phones from them, told them they couldn't use their cell phones. And they put them uh, in sight so that they could actually go get them if they wanted to. But they told them that if they caught, caught them with their uh, cell phone, they wouldn't get paid. So then the interviewer left the room and stayed gone for about 10 minutes before the first person grabbed their phone. Then after that, two more. And then there were still some that were, you know, holding out. So what the interviewer did then did then was call the phones. So now they're all getting emails. They're all getting, uh, you know, voice messages and stuff like that. Every one of them went to their phone to check it within seconds. It's an, it's an addiction, people. Our phones are an addiction. Social media is an addiction. But anyway, that's not what I was trying to preach on today. But I kind of got sidetracked. Um, but I still think it's relevant. Now, being a pastor, I'll go back to being <laughs> to the original thing. Uh, being a pastor is uh, a calling. Okay. We... It's not easy to describe. Like I said, I had a dream, and that dream inspired me. But it was more than that dream. It was a change, if I can. It, it's, it was like my eyes were open to a different perspective. I viewed the world differently than most people. You know, I seen things that others didn't see. You know, I was, it, and I don't mean like angels or anything like that. I don't mean I went crazy. I mean, I saw different meanings in situations. You know, where somebody saw a disaster I saw opportunity, and it wasn't meaning that somebody else's misery was, you know, my gain. That's not what I was saying. What I mean is, whenever there's a destructive uh, thing that happens, you know, something that's just so terrible that we just, we ask the question, why? You know, why did this happen? Oftentimes, 
matter of fact, 90% of the time. In the end, it comes out to be good. Um, the, the story of Job actually comes to mind. You know, Job went through more than any man ever should. And because he stayed faithful to the Lord, he was rewarded abundantly. So, that is basically basically what I'm saying. You know, it seems like it's hopeless when we're going through the situation. But after we get done with the situation, you know, we find out that the Lord used it in a positive manner. You know, he, he made it good. And he's an expert at that. He's an expert at taking bad situations and turning the circumstances around so they're actually turn out to be some kind of positive uh, outcome. I... Uh, I can remember several things that's happened in my own life that at the time I was mad, distraught, depressed, just plain miserable. For instance, like when I was homeless, you know, I felt like I felt like God had forgotten about me, that I was out of his grace that his light didn't shine on me anymore and that I was somehow a disappointment and I mean I got into such a, a deep 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 depression and it was destructive it was totally destructive and counterproductive and the worse my situation got the worse I felt the worse I acted out you know and finally <clears throat> excuse me guys finally it, it was like um, one day I'll give you an example of what happened one day I was sitting on, at the bus stop well actually I was sleeping and uh it was probably about 2.30 in the morning. And I hear this bike bell, you know, like the little ringer bell that goes ding, ding. I heard that. And I thought it was a bike messenger or, you know, one of those guys that deliver pizzas on the bikes. And I just kind of lifted my head and moved the sleeping bag so I could actually see what was going on. And uh, this kid, he couldn't have been any older than 16, rode his bike up to the bus stop, and he got off the bike, leaned it up against the glass, and uh, came in and sat right next to me. Now, this bench was 12 feet long. He had probably about 8 feet of bench he could have sat on. But he sat right next to me. So it kind of annoyed me, you know, because I couldn't put my feet back up on the, the bench so I could go to sleep. 
and he kind of just stared at me for a few minutes, which was unnerving, you know, because now I'm feeling like he's one of these high and mighty people that are looking down on me because I'm homeless. But when he spoke, he spoke directly to me and with purpose. And he said, what are you doing? And not catching a clue, I looked at him and I said, I'm trying to sleep. And he goes, no, what are you doing? Don't you think it's time? You know what to do. And suddenly I had the unavoidable uh, urge to get on my knees and pray. And that's exactly what I did. And I spilled my guts. The tears were flowing like waterfalls. I hadn't cried that much in years. The tension, the the frustration, the depression, all that come flooding out of my eyes to the point where my cheeks hurt. I felt like my my chest was going to implode. I mean, I felt like something was reaching in me and just pulling all that pain out. I mean, I felt like such a it was more than a relief. It was like being wrapped in fresh washed cotton towels that just come out of the dryer. And your mother was holding you, or your father was holding you. I mean, it, I, I felt so warm, relieved, and lighthearted. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop praising him. And I was praying so hard that I actually woke my wife up. She was laying on the bench next to me, or further down the bench. And she pops her head up, and she goes, who are you talking to? And I opened my eyes, and when I opened my eyes, the kid was gone. Now, at this time in New York, it was around... November, so it was cold, okay? It was freezing cold. Me and my wife had not made it to the shelter in time, so we were forced to sleep outside. And it was absolutely freezing. I mean, there was a light blanket of snow 
It had been raining earlier that day. There wasn't a single tire track. Now, did I wake up delirious? You know, did I have hypothermia and was hallucinating? Or was that divine intervention? I make no claims. I just know what I saw and what I experienced. And I know what I felt. My wife didn't see anything. She just heard me praying. That night, my life changed. I officially gave my life to the Lord and dedicated my life to the Lord. And I haven't looked back yet. That day, it became official in my life that I am a child of God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That day I picked up my cross and started chipping away at it. That day was the day that I looked at the Lord and dedicated my life to Him and prayed for salvation and redemption that only He can give. Now I know that there might be somebody out there who is listening who doesn't know the Lord who would like to know Him. Brother or sister, I say to you, it is the best choice you will ever make. It will fill you with so much joy. Words can't describe it. Right now, your shoulders are, are heavy. Your burdens are heavy. But I promise you, Jesus Christ will take those burdens away from you. If you'd like to accept Him, say this quick prayer, and then I have to go. Jesus, I am a sinner, and I would like to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for my sins and come into my heart. I believe in the life and resurrection. I believe that you died for my sin and I ask that you wash me in your blood and throw my sins from the east as far as the east is to the west thank you Lord amen and guys I'm out of time but I will be doing this um, again uh, come Wednesday I'm going to try to get 
another uh, episode out. Um, I'm sorry for the rambling. I kind of got led to a different direction. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this sermon. And um, I'll be back to uh, talk to you again Wednesday. Thank you guys. I love you. Thank you for tuning in to The Christian Show. And God bless.